0: Katie.
1: I'm Erica. And this This is is Book Talk. Talk. Hi, Erica. Hi, Katie. Welcome to Book Talk. Book Talk is a weekly podcast book club. And usually we read one book over four episodes, and this is a special one-off episode where we're going to talk about one book, spoilers included in this one episode, and the book we're talking about today is Georgia Clark's It Had to Be You. After we talk a little bit, just the two of us, we're going to be joined by the author, Georgia Clark, to talk about her feelings about this, these characters, her process of
0: writing this book, and love. So excited for this whole conversation. <laughs> It Had to Be You is a sweet and emotional rom-com, which we all know is one of my favorite genres, and we loved reading this one. In It Had to Be You, we see the main character to live's husband suddenly dies and leaves her their wedding planning business, but he leaves half of it to his much younger blonde mistress, Savannah, we follow Liv and Savannah through them finding love, and we also get to know three other intertwined love stories in a modern-day love-actually format. We get the good, the bad, and the ugly of all of these very different people in different phases falling in love. So we loved this book. I can't wait to talk more about it. <laughs> Take a drink every time we
1: say love.
0: Ew. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: okay, so let's start with our overall ratings erica what did you think of it what would you give it i would give this book a four out of five again i'm like not the biggest romance genre person but i did love this book i think part of the tension with me and romance books is like now i know the secret which is like everybody's gonna be fine like all the relationships are gonna be (laughs) fine yeah. um everybody's gonna be okay like they'll make up at the end and that kind of like takes away from like how invested I am like with Zia and Clay I'm like oh my god what is gonna happen and then I'm like you know what's gonna happen okay <laughs> but did
0: you still love reading it while it was happening
1: I did. I really loved this book. It was so sweet. It was very emotional. I think it was very ambitious to tackle these many characters and this many like love stories. And I definitely appreciated like the diversity of characters, the diversity of experiences, the different types of relationships like at different ages. I thought that was right. just a beautiful reflection on like how different how different people experience love differently, how it changes over their lives and how each of them are kind of interesting in their own way
0: yeah I loved I would give this book also a four out of five um I do love rom-coms also because I feel like you do know what's going to happen in the end so it feels like a little bit less of your favorite analogy of going through the blender because you do know you'll be okay but also I still love reading the stories as it happens um this is why I love love actually the movie and why I loved kind of reading this book too is I love seeing all of these different stories at different phases. You have Henry and Gorman who've kind of been together for a really long time trying to figure out what the next phase of their commitment is and how they can better love each other. And then you have kind of Savannah figuring out what her sexuality is and who she is. She's very young, just coming to New York. But seeing all of those relationships in different phases kind of in contrast, I think brings out the good parts of the phases they're in and the bad parts. But you see Henry and Gorman in this level of comfort that Savannah doesn't have and it kind of almost makes you appreciate that comfort and safety that is allowed in that relationship but also you get to appreciate the spontaneity of you know her exploring as well Um, and you get kind of a mix of that with Sam and Liv so I think they all kind of complement each other really well and that's why this kind of cast of characters I think does so well in a story like this Um, and you get to kind of Get a little bit involved in each of these stories, but you're not kind of deeply in any of them. Um, and the intertwined nature, I think, makes it really interesting to read because they're also interconnected. And every time, like when Liv um, just is at her friend's house and you realize her friend is Henry who also owns the flower shop. And you're like, Oh wait, these people are all connected. I loved kind of seeing because our lives are so full of different people in different love stories. And I think this book kind of encapsulates that. Did you cry? No, but I don't cry. So that's not a good, uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's not a good thing to measure by. (laughs) I don't think I've, I think I've probably cried but for like two books in my life or movies. Like it's just not a thing. I was like,
1: I cried at the end of every single couple's story, and then I cried <laughs> again at the wedding. Like,
0: I, I couldn't I mean, stop I crying. Felt a with lot of emotions, book. but I just like didn't cry. I may have like thought about tears welling up in my eyes. That's about okay. as good as it all means. right. I'll take that. It is funny, as the more emotional of the two of us, that you're like, I well not the more emotional, but the more visibly emotional. That I'm like, I love to read these like sappy, sweet rom coms, and you're like. Not as into it, but will cry the whole time that you are reading it.
1: Yeah, but I'll cry at like a Folgers commercial. Like I cry yeah, just like a- immediately. And I'm like so crying is so accessible to me. I don't know why. The <laughs> empathy is on 150 I also think this format really shows the range that Georgia has because there's so much like sexual chemistry between Darlene and Zach that you're like, yes, I love these. Like they're going to like rip each other's clothes off when they're in her apartment and they're like taking these sexy pictures. Um, And then there's Henry and Gorman who are just this like couple who have clearly like know each other inside and out and are trying to like see each other in new ways and explore and find new parts of themselves. Those are such different types of characters and different relationships to write, but they were all very believable.
0: Yeah. I think it is amazing how she was able to really get at the heart of all of these different phases and really understand what people were going through because it's, you know, she has like opening up to your partner and refinding your spark after years and loving again after the death of a significant other. I feel like the range of her Mm. emotional ability is kind of crazy and she is probably a great lover and wife. Like Aww. I just feel like if you can, if you can articulate that and truly like understand where these people are at and then be able to communicate that through all these different phases, like I feel like she's gonna be her and her wife are gonna be just fine. They're gonna be just fine. Yeah.
1: One of my favorite contrasts is even with like Sam and Liv and Liv and Elliot, It's just how dating is different for Liv now as an older woman. I'm like not in my late 40s, but I definitely like have thought back to like Dan and I when we were young and the way that I approached things and the way what I wanted from him and it's just completely different when you're like young and you want the spontaneous and like the mundane is boring and the conversations about what are we what does it mean it's like I don't want that. We're just like following our passion and our heart, and we're being spontaneous. And then now it's like, okay, I have like a full life. I'm very busy. Like, if you want to see me, we need to coordinate (laughs) our babysitters. I need to prepare ahead of time. I need a full day of prep. Um, I need to like clear my schedule. (laughs) I need to make a schedule. Even like within that, even within that structure of her like dating you know, with kids, I still like my favorite scene, which I will always think about and like still laugh. Like my favorite scene from this book is when she gets too stoned. When she's like oh, my waiting God. for him to come <laughs> have sex with her and he just like puts her to bed and then they have sex the next morning on the couch. I'm like, I love that. Yes. It's so funny of like the mom or the older woman who's like, everything will be just so and I'm gonna make sure everything is perfect.
0: And then right. of course
1: she sabotages herself.
0: I, that part was hilarious. And it's like, she did all of this prep. She was like all day getting ready for this moment. And it's also, I thought it was also perfect because those moments when there's so much buildup, like it was never going to be as good as she'd built up in her head that night, regardless, because she's thought about it and prepped for it all day. So no matter what, it was not going to be that good that night. So I think it was even better that she just like Maybe some part of her knew that and she just got a little too high. And then like it ended up being so much better the next morning and so much more like real. And this is – I feel like the spontaneity was still there for her because it was not the night of. It wasn't this like scheduled, organized kind of thing, which obviously nothing wrong with that. But it's like I just loved that it was the next morning. I do think, yeah, the range of how things differ um, and like the drama of dating when you're younger because you just – you're both – whenever you're dating and some of these characters and they're they're so young and they're just trying to figure out like what they actually do want or who they are or what they need from other people, that there is just so much drama, which is like fun also. Like as much as you don't want to admit it, that shit is still fun. It's exciting. It's like adrenaline rushes and then like the highs and lows. But then at some point you see the sweetness of settling into like the mundane too. And I loved reading both of those again like next to each other because you see kind of the like the good years in all of them who is your favorite character to read or whose storyline did you love the most
1: my favorite character was Liv and I loved her relationship with Sam I just thought they were so sweet obviously Liv is very um related to me and how I see myself like very ambitious non-traditional A go-getter, maybe a little, like, frantic and stressful for other people to be around. Um, I just thought they have such a sweet dynamic. They have such a cute relationship. And they're both, like, very loving parents. And make this beautiful, like, new family together out of two broken families. I just thought their relationship was so sweet. And of all the characters, I think they have, like, the relationship that I would bet on, for sure, for working out.
0: Oh, yeah. I also, I loved Liv and Sam's story. I felt like he was just such a caring character in, like, the best sense of that word. Like, he is going to take care of Liv. And just the way that they interacted and how, like, kind of gentle they were with each other because of what they've been through was so sweet to read. Um, I feel like I'm so bad at picking a story out of this because I just loved the way that the stories interacted. I loved Henry and Gorman and the contrast of, which I've talked about now the seventh time, the contrast of them um, kind of at this later phase of their relationship with like the other stories. So I also loved Zia and Clay. She's traveling. She's constantly booking her next trip. She doesn't want to settle down, but also some part of her wants that commitment and somebody to want to be with her and be proud to be with her. So she's kind of even within herself, not sure exactly what she wants yet, Um, And then Darlene and Zach kind of figuring it out, too. So I and I loved Darlene and Zach's eventual story as well. Also, that one was like the most fun to read. Um, So, I mean, I, I kind of liked them
1: all. The only part of the book I didn't love and I'm still confused about is like I still don't get Elliot. I don't get why he did this. Maybe. All we can know is that, like, when someone has an affair, it's not about the partner. It's about the person who's having the affair trying to find a new part of themselves. I think that's the most that we can get out of Elliot. But it just still doesn't make sense to me, like, why he wanted Liv and Savannah to go on this journey together.
0: Yeah, I think that part is kind of hard because I feel like Elliot is kind of an irrelevant character in this entire cast. And I know that you have to have something to kind of start the domino effect so that you can understand some way to connect Liv and Savannah. But I don't understand why Savannah couldn't have just moved to – New. Liv's husband couldn't have died and then she just has the wedding planning business. And then Savannah moves to New York and just like follows her around. In this other book that I'm reading right now – the character, uh, one character's like knocks on the door and is like, can I work here? And she's like, no, like I can do this by myself. And the younger kind of obnoxious girl is just like, just let me, I'll just do it for free. Can I just like sit here? And she just like never leaves, she just like moves in. She's like, I'm here now. Like why couldn't it have been something different to kind of pull them together than him having an affair and leaving half the business to both of them? I do feel like that part is kind of unrealistic and also irrelevant to all the things we learn about all of these characters. Like the specific way in which they met live in Savannah really has no impact on their future kind of relationship or their relationships with other people. So it is, I do still feel like that's a big question. Like why did we have to start with this man having a heart attack and leaving half of his business to two very different people?
1: All all Elliot's aside, I love this book. All
0: Elliot's aside. (laughs)
2: Great. My name is Georgia Clark. I am Australian, uh, living in New York City. I've been here since 2009 and I'm the author of It Had To Be You and four other books. I'm queer. I love cheese, although I recently got some terrifying cholesterol results, which is really making me rethink my entire diet. Uh, and, and, I, and, I love, and I love books and talking about books, so I'm very happy to be here. I love that intro.
0: Also, I read—I can't remember what it was. It's probably just like your bio on your website that was like, "I love my hot wife and cheese," and I was like, "Yeah, I'm—I love her."
2: look <laughs> get my priorities now. I
0: mean, I yes, a hundred percent. All right. So the first question. Um, in reading some reviews of this book, I read that it was a cross between First Wives Club and Love Actually, which are two rom coms I have seen. Probably too many times, um, but this was written in a much more modern way. So I see the theme resemblance in things like second chances, friendship, falling in love, or remembering why you're in love. Um, So what inspired you to write this book and these different and more diverse love stories?
2: Well, you know, the answer is partly in the question in that I wanted to write a romantic comedy that was all the things that we love about rom-coms in being funny and sexy and you know warm-hearted, having a generous outlook on life and a, a positive outlook on life. Um, the idea that love is out there for everyone. But to tell a story that featured characters who weren't just white, straight <laughs> people. Uh, and the because the book has five interconnecting love stories, I was able to really broaden the scope and to tell not just different kinds of love stories as far as who the characters were, what their backgrounds were, sexuality and race and class and everything, but just where they were up to in their relationships um, and uh, and and make sure that I was representing more, um, you know, the people that I see in New York City, the city that I love, and um, to sort of honour this idea that love really is out there for everyone. Uh, and in this day and age, I, I think that kind of is what we think of when we think of a modern story. Like we definitely are thinking of like a diverse cast um, and not just sort of telling the stories of a privileged few. Uh, so that was why it was important to me to to write this book. <laughs>
1: That's something we talk about a lot with the books that we read, you know, diversity in what we read and what we watch. It's like important for diversity's sake, of course, but it also makes the story so much more interesting. In this book, we have couples that are at the early stages of their relationship, couples that are at the later stages of their relationship, different types of couples in like close relationships, open relationships, friendships, hookups, and just seeing things from all of these different perspectives it just makes for like a richer story as well as like showcasing different types of people and their relationships it's just so much richer
2: yeah i mean that i couldn't agree more i think that when i think when some people talk about diversity like they're they kind of feel like it's something they have to do because like, oh, it's 2021 even like, and it feels like some sort of burden, but I really couldn't um, disagree more for me. It really is a way of telling more interesting stories, richer stories, you know, like I'm queer and there are some ways in which my love story is just like everyone else's love story in that, you know, two people meet, you fall for each other, you get over your obstacles, you figure it out, whatever. But there are some ways in which my love story is different to um straight stories and like just to use myself as an example and to me that's interesting like the ways in which um the ways in which you know we are the same the ways in which we are different both of those are really fascinating to explore i think and it's important to tell love stories of different types of people because it validates existence representation in culture is a way of claiming you know, cultural territory, and, you know, without, you can't really be what you can't see, and so I think it really, it's really important to me, it's, I mean, it's really, like, a privilege for me to be able to tell stories that are queer stories, or that are stories, you know, of people who might not be getting their love stories elevated, um, for so many different reasons, and one of them really is because I think it's a powerful act, and that, and that, um, and that, stories like normalize things you know and i feel like definitely one of the reasons why the queer movement has made such incredible gains in the last couple of decades is in part because of all of the queer storytellers and visible queer people who are you know demanding a place at the table and who are celebrating their stories whatever sort of stories they are i mean I love writing queer rom-coms because I mean they're fun they're like it's a kind of like a positive way to engage um with like future creation and things like that um and I think it'll be something that I'll always be really interested in not just like reading myself and creating.
1: Along those lines what is it about love stories in particular that you love reading about and that you love writing?
2: Oh gosh, so many things. I mean, I'm just kind of hooked on that good feeling. Like, I just love, I love feel good stories, um, especially if they're, you know, smartly done, elegantly done, cleverly done uh, in a way that feels uh, truthful, truthful to life, and that uh, are able to represent what it feels like to have a crush on someone, to feel. All in love with someone, to figure it out with someone, I think those stories are always interesting because, you know, we are social creatures. We live in a community and a society. Human beings are not built to live alone. We are, you know, we, we are, we need, we need other people to survive, um, not just like physically, but emotionally and socially. And so I think that's why stories about relationships uh, are always interesting because we're kind of i think they sort of do two things like they offer in some ways a bit of a guide i mean rom-coms are heightened and you know like stories follow a certain pattern um to be satisfying but i think there's the reason when we when we laugh at in a rom-com when we tear up when we swoon we're recognizing something truthful like you know if you're feeling nothing when you're reading a story it's probably because the writer hasn't done a very good job at creating human beings who are acting like human beings like you're they're just not doing what people would say or do and then we kind of cut off from that but like when you have an emotional reaction to a story it's because you're recognizing something truthful in what the characters are doing and we're all constantly living our own love stories, whether you're single or in a relationship, um, you know, you're kind of existing with other people. And I think love can obviously include platonic relationships, relationships with like family and friends. And, you know, some of the most important relationships you'll ever have will be with your friends. Uh, And that great love stories are sort of showing you how people are doing this crazy thing and getting through life and making their relationships work. And they're offering hope. They're offering hope that love is out there. And, it, you know, and especially in this, I think the romance genre right now is very sophisticated and there's a lot of really smart people writing um, rom-com, not just women, but obviously men too and non-binary folk as well, telling their stories. And I think that that hope is so important and, um, and you know, and and fun and, and sexy and hot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think all of those, yes, everything you just said is exactly why whenever I think things are stressful or especially over this last year, like the first thing I want to pick up is a rom-com book because it is, it is like an escape, but it's also like hopeful and happy. And even when like, even when things are falling apart all around you, like people are still falling in love. They are still having a crush with the person, you know, that they walk by or that they, see on Zoom now, I don't know, but like, but it's still happening because we're human. And so it is, it's like a hopeful, happy thing to like focus on or read about, which is why I also love to read those stories. Whose was your favorite love story to write in this book? Do you have one?
2: Oh, such a tough question. I mean, they're all my babies, Uh, my babies. Uh, It was really fun to tell all of these stories and kind of for different reasons some of the stories are more sort of what we think of when we think of a rom-com like Zach and Darlene was definitely a favorite for me. It was more on the kind of rom-com end of things like the more zany, slightly improbable setup, like a fake relationship, you know, a classic rom-com trope, which is really fun to do. And, um, you know, they had also probably for me, like that's one of the sexier relationships, um, in just that they had, you know, from the word go, we're aware these characters want to burn each other, even if, like, they're not really, you know, aware of that right at the, you know, when it starts, like, Darlene is definitely, inter- like, interpreting her chemistry with Zach as frustration with him, um, as, you know, as which sometimes happens. So they were really fun pair um, to write, especially because they were, a, there was a lot going on in their relationship. Darlene was black. And Zach was what and is white, so I was able to talk about race a little bit in that relationship, um, which I, you know, was interesting, and, and kind of like. And they just they just both came from really different family environments that really affected how they were in the world. And particularly for Zach, as someone who, when I kind of met him, which is kind of how I think about characters, like you sort of just meet them. And I was like, okay, yeah, I definitely get you. Like you're, you know, like a fun, flirty, saucy Brit, you know, you're a good time guy. Um, and I didn't really know what else was kind of going on with him. But the more time I spent with him, the more I realized like how deep his river ran and how he the person he was in society was very different from the person he was in his family unit which is also I think more common than we realize um and which is why it's always so revealing to meet people's families and to kind of see like oh like you're really different within your family unit like you're you you're playing a different role in your friendship group than how you are at home um which I think is interesting and so and then of of course like Darlene is like no spoilers but um, the relationship doesn't really – in all rom-coms, you have to get to a point where the lovers break up or something goes kind of wrong. And for them, the what kind of tears them apart is something really significant. Like, it's it's not just a simple misunderstanding like, oh, I thought you were talking to your secret girlfriend and it was your sister. You know, like, it wasn't just something like that. It was like something where one of – well, both of the characters, but particularly one of them – uh, really like F's up. And I like that kind of storytelling because it means that like in life, you know, we often don't have major blowups with our partners or our lovers over simple misunderstandings that can be cleared up with one like conversation. And we do say and do terrible things to people when we're like afraid and hurt. And I've like definitely said things that I've really regret it in my life because I'm hurt and trying to kind of protect myself and I really like I like that kind of storytelling because the characters have to work harder to get past it and you as a reader you're like well I do not even know if they can get past it like I know I am really worried <laughs> like and so that was that was like I'm, how will the how will the author fix this um and so, and so that's like another reason why I really enjoyed their, um, their storyline. So I gotta, I gotta give a shout out to Zach and Darlene. Although I really do like all of them. Like Liv and Sam were a very cozy sort of sweet relationship to write and definitely like a fan favorite. I feel like I hear about like people really liking Liv and Savannah, people really liking, um, I mean like uh, Sam and Liv and Savannah and Honey and, and really liking those main characters. We sort of probably spend the most time with them, like, because they are, those two women are sort of the engine of the whole book. But, um, you know, who doesn't like a tall, handsome guy who can cook? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Sign us up.
1: One thing that you tackle in this book is a big industry, and that is the wedding industry. And weddings and marriage are something that I talk about a lot with my friends and is a discussion in my friend group. I love the way that the characters are kind of toggling with or dealing with the tension between modernity and tradition and figuring out what they want in their wedding as compared to maybe what they're being told that they want or what society tells them that they want. I think I read somewhere that you were planning your wedding while writing this book. Did going through the process of planning your wedding or having your wedding change your perspective as you wrote?
2: Yeah, I was, I was writing this book over getting engaged. I asked my then girlfriend now hot wife to marry me. uh, And she said, yes, luckily. uh, And we got married in the summer of 2019 And I was writing this book over 2018 and 2019, finishing right as the pandemic hit at the beginning of 2020. So it was definitely a sort of like an art life mashup going on and everything I was learning about wedding planning, like as Savannah was learning the ropes, I too was learning the ropes and thinking a lot about the sort of main, one of the main themes in the book, which is this sort of... um, like struggle of modernity versus tradition. Like all of the characters are in some ways like uh, exploring what it means to them, um, like how to come to terms with what they've traditionally or always thought of themselves as in relationship, as a partner, what love means to them uh, versus sort of newer ideas that are being presented to them through another person or um, you know, through the demands of another person or the requests of another person, and having to kind of figure out, you know, as I was doing in a very literal sense, what traditions are important to me and which ones are just like heterosexual nonsense, honestly, and that have no meaning to me at all. Uh, and that is definitely something that you ha- plays out like over and over again in wedding planning. You know, you can work yourself into an existential crisis over like, do I want to wear a white dress? Why do I want to wear a white dress? Do I want to wear a white <laughs> dress just because everyone else has worn a white dress? Like, like when you look into why we wear white dresses, like that doesn't really like hold up as far as, you know, what your modern values might be, but Hey, like a white dress looks pretty. And like, you sort of just couldn't really go in a loop over it every hundred
0: times. Yeah. While you're yeah, planning a wedding.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Obviously <laughs> like on every
0: little part of it.
2: Yeah. It's really crazy. It's like, cause you're like, you know, I want to have like this, connected like if you just don't want to do like a cookie cutter thing where you're just like okay we'll just you know someone else can write the vows and I'll just say them and I'll just show up on the day which is what some people do honestly and that's fine but like you know we want to have a really intentional we're from Brooklyn so um (laughs) you know wedding uh and and then so yeah that was kind of flowing through into the story as well but honestly like I found wedding planning pretty stressful <laughs> um, and because, like, it brings up, like, every everything about your relationship that you haven't, like, yet addressed or, you know, you've been able to kind of brush past because you're just dating or whatever, like, will really come to a head as you plan to really stitch your lives together in a, you know, like, no turning back kind of way. And um, so writing this book was a real balm Like, it was a real escape from sort of some of the tougher things that were happening in the world. And like, gosh, like 2019 was a dream compared to 2020. But like at the time, it seemed kind of stressful. I mean, looking back, it was a walk in the park. We had no um, idea. (laughs) Yeah, no, no idea. And like, we had a crazy 2019. Like we did all this, we actually had a great year because we did all this travel and we went to like, I went to Australia twice and I haven't been able to go back since the pandemic. So like, and and at the time I was like, this is so crazy. Why are we doing like all of these international trips? But I think that... Some, you know, divine intervention was working in my favour because it was an awesome year and um, anyway, I don't know why I was talking about that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah.
0: I do think what you're like all the parts of of wedding planning are so interesting because it does bring out like you're talking about finances what kind of planner mm-hmm. you are, are you, and then also like your family mm-hmm. and you have to get you know what's important to you as far as that like there are so many things that come up when you're doing it um okay so the, I think you kind of already touched on this but this book takes on a couple of classic tropes so waitress meets movie star falls in love widow meets a sweet man who also you know happens to be great with kids um is it harder to kind of write these when there's an expectation for the ending um, or is it easier because there's an expectation for the ending?
2: That's a great question because both is sort of true in a way. Um, it's easier in that there is a structure to romantic comedies that the reason why they work so well on us, um, which is basically we meet our lovers, we, we, uh, we, we understand why they can't be together, like why they can't just be like, let's start dating, story over. You know, like there's something keeping them apart. It's probably some deep seated psychological wound. Um, but despite their best intentions, they fall in love anyway, until something comes to a head because they have not addressed their deep seated psychological wound. They split apart. They realize I was wrong. I, you're the love of my life. I'm no longer going to be listening to the deep seated psychological wound. I'm going to be listening to my heart and you know, our lovers end up back together again. Like that's essentially the structure of every single romantic comedy. Um, and so you, you're helped by the fact that this structure exists and you can use it to your advantage. What makes it tricky is that romance readers are generally um, like very, very well versed in in romance, so they have read a million love stories they they understand the structure, but what they're looking for is a great ride and to for the author to find some tension on the page, like why do we keep turning the pages because we want to know what happens? So in a way, it's sort of easier, but in a way, it's more difficult because you're still wanting to surprise and delight your readers, even though they know how it's going to end. You know, um, you don't have the luxury of like, well, maybe they, maybe one of them will be killed because that will not make it a rom-com. That'll make it some other genre, you know. Um, and you can't kind of... You can definitely twisty, turny and surprise your readers, but like they it's like funny because people want um they they want a love story where all of these kind of beats happen which makes it satisfying but they don't want to be bored and they don't want to feel like it's predictable so that's the it's tricky like part. kind of
0: a tall order to write really yeah. like I'd like to be entertained I would like it to be all these things and then I really wanted to work out at the end so just if you could do all of that and then in 300 pages thanks
2: yeah yeah that's that's the job description
1: I don't have like a romance novel background. This is like a new thing uh, that Katie has introduced in my life is a love of romance novels and definitely like a love of this book in particular. But one thing I'm not really used to is reading like these X-rated sex scenes that come up in romance novels. It seems like to me as like a, you know, a new entrant into the romance novel reader category uh, or that there's a different approaches to these types of scenes some go like right at it and we're like oh we're diving into the sheets with them and other books tend to take more of like a, oh they go under the covers and we know what happens wink wink nod nod how do you approach writing a sex scene and like what is your storytelling element or why are these scenes important in your novels
2: yeah another great question i think that you know sex in in rom-com and and romantic drama is Uh, really interesting from both on both like a kind of behind the scenes aspect and and what readers are looking for. Uh, It is where rom-com is right now, uh, it's quite popular to have um, a sex scene, at least one sex scene. So uh, and that's kind of like I think what readers have always been like drawn to in the romance genre is where on top of characters who are having an emotional connection with each other, um, we can also enjoy their, their like, sexy times. Um, as distinct from erotica, which is way more about the sex, um, and that's sort of a, like, it's a sub-genre of, of romance, but within rom-com, what you're probably going to see if you pick up a contemporary romance, um, you know, like Jasmine Gilroy, Casey McQuiston, Emily Henry, all of these, like, big names in, rom- in romance, is at least one, if not kind of two scenes, where we stay with the characters while they're doing the deed, um, as opposed to the kind of like, you know, falling on the bed and the next morning, we pick it up. In It Had to Be You, And in my last two books, The Bucket List and The Regulars, I had quite a lot of sex in those books. One of them was like, The Bucket List was explicitly very sexy because it was about a woman sort of reclaiming, reclaiming her sexuality. In this book, it just, it didn't feel... I mean, you kind of just have to kind of go with what the book is wanting you to do. There are certainly some sexy scenes in the book, but um, it's probably on this, like, we kind of often refer to it as like a steam scale, like five being really, really like multiple sex scenes and one being no sex scenes. This book is probably like a two, two and a half. Like it's actually not um, as sexy as some of the other books. It just didn't, honestly, it just didn't kind of feel right. The book was, this book is so character driven and there's honestly so many characters. Um, I didn't have like a ton of time, uh, and I, I sort of also with this book, I had the impression that I would have a really broad readership. Like it's sort of it's it's because it is like something for everyone. I felt like this book is going to appeal to like women in their fifties and women in their twenties. You know, like and and like and I just sort of for some reason just felt like I. I feel like I'm probably going to please more people if I just have it turned down a little bit. Having said that, like my next book, which is coming out next summer, definitely has like a way more explicit sex scene in it. That just is just kind of what felt right for that book. Um, and it was, uh, you know, like the sex scenes should always be, Revealing, like moving the relationship along. Like they're never in a a good rom-com. They're never gratuitous. They always kind of like change the relationship. Generally they bring the characters closer together. They can also make the characters kind of realize certain things like, Oh, I I can't just keep you at an arm's length. Like I'm in love with you. Or, you know, we can't do that again because like, I think I'm falling in love with you. (laughs) Like, or whatever. Um, so you always want to have the, the sex scenes working in the narrative somehow. So like showing us something true. You can also have a lot of comedy in sex, you know, like that, like it doesn't have to be like a slapstick sort of heightened thing, but they can, you can still kind of like, you know, you if there's like a comedic generous lens over the whole thing, like that suddenly doesn't have to kind of, they don't have to suddenly turn into like the cast of wild things. Like, you know, we're kind of like without um, characters, although that would be very sexy. Um, but like, yeah, it is something that I like about about rom-coms. I like well-written um sex scenes and sexy moments. But to be honest, like I like what I enjoy more is writing chemistry. Like, and that's like less about um, you know, like put your genitals on my genitals, and that's it's just more about just banter and kind of what it you know what it feels like when you're around someone who you're just like charged up by and you're like relaxed but paying attention and you care what they think and you know it's really relatable um and and you know we all have chemistry with a lot of you know people in our lives and whatever people that you meet and to me like that's more fun like i i kind of like that more so i'm probably going to be having more like pages of like characters and their clever banter as opposed to like you know Aimless (laughs) Aimless learning <laughs> it like builds it up to like you can like feel them falling in love yes. or like
0: you know figuring it out and they're you can like feel them having butterflies which is like so sweet to read yeah um okay changing <laughs> changing directions with this so this story touches or these stories touch on some um deeper and more personal topics throughout the book as well so it's not all of the happier rom-com part of it there's Instances of transphobia, dead naming, racism, et cetera. What do you think that including these shorter stories or ideas inside some of these bigger narratives offers to readers, and why are they important to tell? Um, And then, kind of, as you're telling them, what's your process to kind of make sure these stories are told in a compassionate, authentic way?
2: Yeah, (laughs) it's, I mean, I think that for me, what I like doing in this genre is telling stories that are on one hand, really like fun and sexy and all of these kind of, you know, what we expect out of a rom-com. But I, I like rom-coms and I, I like writing and reading rom-coms that find a way to tell some more, like to talk about some more serious ideas as well. And that's because I think readers can absolutely hold both those ideas in their hands at the same time. Like, you know, you do not need to have in a, you know, how long this book is, it's long, 400 page book, just like sexy, like witty banter, you can absolutely, because we're all going through something and, you know, it doesn't, I just really feel like there's space, um, you know, you can kind of make space to talk about the things that are important to you and that matter to you. And there's, you know, a lot that matters to me and there's a lot that matters to what would matter to my characters as well and it's definitely what readers respond to, I think. And it kind of elevates the book out of it being just a little too much sugar, you know, like it's sort of, it makes it feel like a complete meal. Um, and so like one, like, I think the most important reason to me is just like, I'm a concerned (laughs) citizen in the world. And, um, there's, you know, like, there's a lot to love and a lot to be grateful for and a lot to make us happy. But like there is a, you know, the world right now is kind of nuts. Uh, and there's, I just, a lot of, you know, people's truths need to be told. And so I think I'll always want to write books that find a way of talking about whatever I'm thinking about, you know, whatever's going on in my mind and what matters to me. And so that's what, it's that that's, you know why it's important, and as far as like the process like, process goes, uh, I it depends on what it is. Like if it's something that I can speak to authentically because it's kind of something that like has, has happened to me, um, then, um, you know, like my own, ex- I you know, try and lean into my own experience. If it's something that's like really far outside of my experience, then. Uh, You know, you can work with sensitivity readers, like whether that's like a friend or if you like I hire people um, to do reads or like interviews I generally do first. Like the book that I my next book, which I have coming out next year, is a lot about um, indigenous. It's set on a remote tropical island in Australia, which is in um, the um, traditional land of the local bachelor people I made the island up but it would have fallen into their land and so I spent quite a long time doing a lot of interviews with um several contacts but one contact in particular in order to like make that story real like you know I was basically like I want to invent an island it's going to be under exclusive any title you know like let's like let's go basically and I you know I paid him and he became a good friend and um it's really really it's easy than you think it really makes the writing good um you know when you, when you can draw on people's real experiences there's just no way like if a reader kind of you know comes back and is like this just doesn't seem believable which no one has ever said but like the, if the answer is well it's someone's experience no one can ever argue with that you know so where possible like I'm sure all authors like you're really paying attention to the world and especially like if you're telling some story you're really filtering out the world to ensure that you're hearing about that I'm exploring writing in this book that I'm working on now a non-binary character which I've wanted to do and so I'm really paying a lot of attention to um just a lot of non-binary stuff like non-binary celebrities and, and what, where the conversation is and just like people that I follow on Instagram like it's just something that I'm really really interested in these ideas and so you're just kind of like yeah you're like filtering the world into into sort of like helping you know you understand this idea more and what your thoughts are on about it and then of course how it could be like on the page in fiction um but yeah like I would definitely recommend if anyone is a writer like like people are really willing to tell their stories and will definitely um like you can cold email anyone and like if you're writing a book about a zookeeper and you've never met a zookeeper just email a zookeeper and be like hi I'm writing a book about being a zookeeper can I interview you and they'll probably say yes so <laughs> go for it
1: I that's I love that that's so cool in general, people have different reasons for reading. It's something I Katie and I talk about a lot. Um, why do you love reading? Why do you think people love reading? And why do they love reading rom-coms in general?
2: I think we read for a lot of different reasons. And of course, it's probably different over genres. But I think um, in fiction, I think we read to you know either see ourselves reflected on the page or learn about the human race in a way that we, you know, haven't experienced before. So I, I enjoy both of those experiences. I enjoy, um, characters, stories, worlds that are familiar to me. Um, whether it's like reflecting my sense of humor, um, reflecting a direct experience I've had reflecting, you know, my inner world. It's always, it's almost, sometimes it can almost feel intrusive because someone has just held a mirror up to you, you know, to you so accurately and, you know, I really have like visceral memories of the first time that I, you know, saw certain certain shows or movies or read books where I just felt like that's my experience. I mean, it's kind of incredible because there's a part of us, I think that we all think that we're unique and no one has thought the weird thoughts that we've thought and no one's like, you know like done the dumb stuff we've done or whatever um and spoiler alert like you were you people absolutely have and then I, that's why I think authenticity in fiction is so powerful because as soon as you start talking about the things that really matter to you like readers will just come back and be like I've thought the same thing like I've absolutely had that thought before you know I've absolutely felt that way um you know like a lot of Savannah's just moving to New York was just my experience of moving to New York. Like I had that experience at Trader Joe's, you know? And so it's just, you know, it, it really does connect you to people. And then on the flip side of that, if it's about sort of a, a world that you don't know, um, it's, I think it can be really exciting to sort of learn about a new point of history or, you know, a different culture to you. Um, reading can be a wonderful way to travel, to, um, you know, excite our imaginations, um, to sort of, you know, like, bloodlet in some ways, um, there's certainly, like, you know, uh, you know, thrillers and, and dark stories are always on the New York Times bestseller list, like, and I think that's, like, we have, like, a darkness in us, um, that is, sort of, like, like, recognized through reading, kind of, things that are on the darker side, and then, on the, you know, on the flip side of that, like, Things like rom-com can really give us hope and remind us that, you know, the quality of our lives is defined by the quality of our relationships. And if we, um, which is the words of the great sex therapist, Esther Perel, who I love, um, and that, you know, we really can um, make ourselves happy by being like creating and, and fostering relationships. Tell us, I want to know more about what
0: Generation Women is, like how you started it, how it began, what is it?
2: So Generation Women is um, a monthly live storytelling series that I started in 2017, and we invite a woman or non-binary performer in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s to tell an original story on a theme. So in every show, you'll see a story starting with Team 20s, which is what we call our 20-somethings, Um, going through to team 70s, someone in their 70s um, will finish the show. And uh, we have shows in Sydney and Melbourne and New York, lockdowns pending, you know, like if if we're not in lockdown. Um, And I started the show after a conversation with my mother, Jane, about the experience of disappearing as an older woman. And she told me that the older she gets, the more she feels like she's being erased from society and that people are just like looking right through her and if she's walking down the street with me they'll see me but if she's walking down the street on her own people will just like not even see her and I have definitely heard something like that before it wasn't like it was new information but coming from my mother like my wonderful funny you know brave strong mother it really affected me and I had been wanting to start a show for a while. I did improv in New York for many, many years, seven years, um, and we had a monthly show on one of my indie teams and I really loved it. It was like a really fun, um, you know, monthly get together, (laughs) monthly game of make-em-ups in some, you know, basement theater in New York City, which is so fun. Uh, but then after that I kind of like came to like a natural end of my days with improv as I kind of started to get more into novel writing and wanted to put something together um, that wasn't an improv show but had sort of some of the same aspects of live performance um, and that would be uh, a way to celebrate and create space for like performers of all ages and um, it's really been a joy. Uh, we did a year of virtual shows over the pandemic um, and we're back to live shows now. So, you know, Delta variant, flag, you know, like, pending. <laughs> yeah. So um, ho- hopefully we'll stay live. Um, and it's a real joy. And if you're in New York City, uh, come check us out. And if you want to perform, um, we're always casting. So you can apply via the website, which is GenerationWomen.us.
0: Are you guys ever live streaming? Are you live streaming them too for the year
2: that you're doing them live in person
0: also? Yes, we are. So if
2: you're not um, in New York, you can watch a show with a live stream ticket.
1: That's amazing. We have to check that out. Our last question is, what else are you reading right now? And is there anything you would recommend?
2: Uh, yeah, I just finished, um, Emily Henry's new, very popular rom-com, People We Meet on Vacation, which is extremely we, yeah, fun. Love Emily Henry.
0: <laughs> did you guys enjoy that? Yeah. We did a special episode on, um, Beach Read and People We Meet on Vacation, like, kind of comparing, contrasting her two books, because we loved both of them.
2: Yeah, me too. Like, she, like, no one does, you know, banter, like, talk about banter, like, that, like, I feel like people we meet on vacation is just like a masterclass in in banter and is so clever with structure as well. So, I really enjoyed that. I just started one last stop by Casey McQuiston. Their new novel, which is I loved that. Yeah, yeah. So, It's
1: literally right next to my laptop.
0: <laughs> I know. Isn't it sweet? It was so sweet. That's like a one where I felt like the chemistry too was like was so well written throughout it. Yeah, like, there wasn't that many sex scenes, but the there are sex scenes obviously in it, but the chemistry was like so good.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Casey knows what they're doing. Um, and then I also I just remembered like one of the books that I read over lockdown that I really liked, which I saw popped up on Barack Obama's summer reading list. You know how he always puts out his summer reading list. Mm-hmm. Was by um, a writer called Ruman Alam, Leave the World Behind, which is a great general fiction, not a rom-com, uh, book, which I just was so beautifully written. And if you like beautifully, like very, um, like literary, sort of like a literary mystery or a literary thriller, maybe, maybe literary thriller is kind of what my <laughs> genre of that book is. Um, I, 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 really loved that book and I was so happy for him that it showed up on, um, Obama's reading list. So that's another great book. Thank you
0: Talk talk talk.
1: I finally went back to the library, which was closed for a while during COVID, and then was like pickup only for a while. And I've just been like spending too much money on books, which I don't have space for in my apartment. I love buying books and then giving them to people, but I am so pushy with my books. I feel like I've run out of people to give books to, so I've been going back to the library, and it's so nice. I was looking for a Colleen Hoover book and I couldn't find one they were all checked out. But I did find another um another one of Peter Heller's books and I thought about getting it and like reading it ahead of time but I didn't want to come into it with like kind of already knowing his style so we're all going
0: into the guide fresh I guess. Yeah, good. I'm excited to read that book. I also went back to the library this weekend and not back to it, but to a library, and I just love going to the library. It's just so peaceful and lovely in there. In in contrast to you not having enough books to get, like not having enough people to give books to, I would literally never find a book I want to reference or give to somebody because I just give them to people constantly. So in recapping, it had to be you today. Jason was like, just pull it out and look back through it. And I was like, I don't have that. I don't have any book that I loved this last year. I've given them all away. And I don't even know who I gave that book to.
1: I know. I was just looking at
0: my bookshelf like, (laughs) did you give it to me? But I don't think you did. I have the bookshop on the corner. I was trying to think. Whenever I go to someone's house, I'm just like, hi, so good to see you. Do you have any of my books? Yeah. (laughs) My mom was like, here's a stack of five. I was like, wow, okay, great. I've been missing these Yeah, I hope you're bringing an
1: extra suitcase when you come to New York just for the books I'm returning for you and also books that I will be giving to you. Yeah, I'm
0: bringing you books also, though. So great. It'll be good um but it is funny i just get like, constantly give them away and then i'm like i want then my bookshelf ends up being books i don't like like i like or i love but not like my favorites because none of my favorites right. are on my bookshelf so if you come over and you look at it it's not as like representative of what i love mm-hmm. to read because what i've loved someone else is reading which is kind of funny
1: yeah that's so true it's like the books on my bookshelf i'm like um yeah no i actually haven't read that book <laughs> war and peace i have not read it
0: but it is but it does look good episode. on my shelf though <laughs> <laughs> i agree oh,
1: speaking of we talked speaking recently about books peace? that we've put down oh yeah no not speaking of war and peace <laughs> i have not even made a dent in one last stop by casey McQuiston. Really? i really why i literally just i don't know i'm just not motivated to keep reading it
0: put it down girl I did it's been later. done it's
1: been putting down it's been I do down. feel
0: yeah um multiple people did comment on our uh post about that about like putting books down and I loved the one that was like it's supposed to be for fun why are you torturing yourself this is not a job to finish this book and I was like "Hmm, that's a." Uh, It's a solid point, Instagram follower. I hear you. So, you know.
1: There's lots of TikToks right now of people who are trying to read Dune because the movie's coming out. Um, It's like a classic, but it's like very one of those books that's like extremely dense and hard to get through. And I'm like, just watch the movie. Just go watch the movie with Zendaya. You don't need to read the book or watch the movie and then read the book. And then you'll kind of have the images of the movie in your head while you read the book. I think it's worth it to read books that like challenge your way of thinking or that engage you in a new perspective. But I think like if a book is really, I don't think it's worth forcing yourself to read a book. I think there's a book written in a style that will engage you that will still ask the similar question.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I feel like a lot of it when people don't like books is less about the content. If I'm like... You're going to read – like, if someone told me about Girl, one Woman, Other, I'm like, great. If someone told you about this story, if I just quickly tell you the love story that happens in one last stop, you're probably like, oh, my God, that sounds great. I want to read it. But the style or the pacing or the character development or all these things that you can't really control may just not be there for you. And that's what's like – you can find something else that still gets you to the point of, like, a good love story or – the stories intertwining of you know seven black women in London like we can still get there in some different way to learn the lessons that are meant to be read you don't have to read every book but it is a hard a hard thing to do to put it down
1: especially for us like overachievers we're
0: like what do you mean quit what do you <laughs> yeah, mean it's like it's like fully admit against my values I'm like I can't do it ever <laughs> all right
1: okay well uh see you all in Two weeks. So next Sunday, we start reading the guide. Check our Instagram for the schedule at booktalk underscore podcast. And we will see you in our first episode of the guide. Talk is made by me erica bailey and katie cheney with production support from dan white our theme music is by dan white we'll see you next week